0: I know a lot of you are seeking a higher quality of life, and I don't know anyone who wants the quality of their life to get worse, but that can happen when you're stuck in a rocky relationship or going through a difficult separation and divorce. My name's Liz Rankin, and I've created the separation fix with the intention of turning away from that mess and in the direction of a brighter future. I hope you find this episode interesting, and thanks for listening. Many parents struggle to have a healthy co-parenting relationship after separation. Even though research into the causes for separation indicates that only about 2% of relationships end because of disagreements around parenting, parenting often becomes the main source of conflict after separation. I'm sure we all know adults who have been caught in conflict with their exes for years, and you may have even heard children talking about the stress it's causing them. I know I have. And this conflict doesn't always end with childhood. It can continue for years. I recall hearing a one-side case when a couple had to have two separate wedding receptions because despite the passage of time, the parents still wouldn't be in the same room as each other. But don't misunderstand me. There are situations where healthy co-parenting is unrealistic and unsafe for a parent but I know that many parents can transition from a difficult separation to a great co-parenting relationship. And even, and this is a bonus, a revitalized friendship. I'm very lucky to know a few of these wonderful parents. And today I'm speaking to one of my favorites, Grant. Hello, Grant. And in another episode, you'll hear from his lovely ex-wife, Sue. Grant and Sue separated Mm, about five years ago when their daughter was 10. And she is now a confident, bright, and fun-loving 15-year-old. And there's no way she could have blossomed into such a great teenager if her parents had stayed locked in conflict. So now I'm going to introduce you to Grant and see how Sue and he have managed to transition from the, quote, big, the big emotions of separation to Positive Co-Parenting. Welcome, Grant.
1: Hi, Liz. Hi, Grant. Great to be here.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you uh, sharing your time and your story today. Grant, why don't I just start off with asking you to paint me a bit of a picture of your co-parenting relationship with Sue at the moment.
1: Okay. Well, I think the first thing I want to say is it's been a journey, and I know we're going to talk about that journey. So, talking about how it is now certainly was a bit different, obviously, when we initially separated. But I would say now it's uh, cooperative, helpful, can be creative. And I think we've got the shared goal of having a good result for everybody, not just Jasmine, but for the three of us.
0: Okay. Well, that would then, when you talk about the three of you, that's obviously then balancing everyone's needs.
1: Exactly. And I think. That's a healthy thing because it's real. I have needs, Sue has needs, Jasmine has needs. And I think that's what I personally believe. Parenting is also about being realistic with obviously a parent has a, a job and a role to parent children, but it's also about helping them see the realistic side of the world that everybody Has rights and needs, and part of life is fitting in with that, particularly when you're living together.
0: Well, that's, I guess, the family and the new family post separation is still a microcosm of the real world.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, in my view, you couldn't have traveled from, let's say, let's call it a turbulent separation, because most of them are, to a healthy co parenting relationship without replenishing yourself and a lot of support. What do you think helped you through your emotional journey, you know, from the period uh, leading up to separation where people are often very unhappy to a point where you and Sue could co-parent so well?
1: I think the core thing around this is uh, I think we both try to be uh, responsible for our own feelings and needs, and we were in our relationship trying to do that, but the reality is we just had too many triggers and there was just too much conflict. So clearly it was something that just wasn't working and we tried very hard to make it work and it didn't work. Taking responsibility, which is a, a lifetime journey and you know, we all fall over. So counselling, certainly we, I think both, I'll speak for myself, I had counselling after the relationship finished as well because I wanted to... I guess I wanted to be as real as I could with myself. But look, there was probably an 18-month period of having a whole lot of emotions, one of the strongest of which was I didn't even realise till about 18 months later, which was that I felt like a failure. The relationship had failed, so I felt pretty down on myself in ways I didn't even realise. And one day I did realise that, Whilst that relationship had failed, and I really opened up to admit that, I wasn't a failure. And that was a real change, yeah, of looking at the world. And that was from some counselling. Other points, uh, certainly with friends, that was really interesting. What I realised with friends is that friends had different capacities to be helpful as friends. Some emotionally, hey, I'm feeling really crook. As a guy, they were a bit rarer. Others uh, were good at knowing I needed to be uplifted and get me out and let's have a good time, not without some sense of what I was going through as well, but really probably not always with a deep capacity to talk about it. Another friend used to ring me up and say, you know, how are you really, which was great. I really appreciated that, even though (laughs) sometimes I didn't know. How it was. There you go. So it was a combination of of those sort of things.
0: Well, I just want to pick up on two particularly relevant things. Firstly, I think in relation to separation, and I just, my belief, and we can talk about it now, is that about half the people getting separated these days, which means much more than 50% of the population of children is affected. I think this whole view that separation is a failure. Uh, you know, I want to explore this, you know, notion of failure more on on another podcast but I think that people this is one of the reasons that separation is so incredibly emotionally tough for people because you're not the first person I've heard say oh it was so hard because I thought I was a failure so it's you know it's like a double arrow that wonderful Tara Brock the um, American psychotherapist talks about I mean first you have the injury of the separation and then you send another arrow yourself beating yourself up saying you're you're, you're a failure I, I think you know bringing that up it's really relevant but i i do hope people could move away a bit from that because it just causes so much extra pain
1: i agree i think the issue is um, and i think this is fundamental to why i think sue and my relationship works reasonably well is you've got to allow time and space for things i've had it said to me again and again you know that the, the grieving process around a separation you know is usually 18 months to 2 years and In my observation with people, no matter what you do, everyone goes through it. So I I don't think there are quick fixes to that, but that's how it was for me anyway. So I'll speak about myself. I allowed myself the space to, to go through the feelings because it really was a whole unpacking of feelings that took a long time. Doesn't mean I didn't get on with things, but it's, that's my, you know, uh, view of, of life. You've got to allow those time for those things. So, some people can do it very quickly. Some people can turn on a, a dime, as it were. Yeah, it's about individual rhythm.
0: I agree. And and the other thing interesting when you're talking about friends is that different friends appear at different times. And I don't know if you felt this yourself, but to a certain extent, you don't. You just want some time not burdened your friends it comes to a point did you feel that
1: yeah i think that's a really good point absolutely so yeah i can think of times when i decided i would burden my friend if it were or i would open up to, and, and take that risk and other times where i decided not to because i didn't feel also i didn't feel from my point of view it was going to be received what i had to say so you know that meant some.
0: So having the backup of a counsellor, I, I like I, you know, the scenario you're talking about, there sounds really perfect. You know, your own introspection, friends, and a counsellor—it sounds like great support.
1: I think that's pretty well what happened for me. I think I felt also, you know, was a, sexually a bit of a failure it, towards the end of the relationship. Something I wasn't, you know, something was wrong with me. Wasn't doing something right. And over a period of time, that certainly got healed in future relationships. So I think that's worth mentioning because I think there'd be some people out there who might have those feelings. Certainly I did, and that changed a lot for me.
0: Well, I think, once again, I don't think that would be uncommon because at the end of a relationship, which is an intimate relationship, intimacy is, you know, for most people is just going to, disappear. And for some people it's been gone for years. Mm -hmm. So to feel inadequate in that situation, I think once again, that would be um, not uncommon, not uncommon. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Mm -hmm. So in relation to then, you know, your healing and getting into a stronger emotional space, did you and Sue then consciously decide that you're going to have a good co-parenting relationship or is it something that just happened that developed decision by decision?
1: I think I unconsciously decided I was going to have a healthy parenting relationship. I certainly decided I was going to do my best to, for it to work. And to be fair, I think I had an expectation that Sue would probably go in that direction as well.
0: So then going back a few years, your unconscious decision, you know, to have a good co-parenting relationship, what were the parenting the arrangements? What were they like?
1: Okay. Well, we did two things when we separated. One is we had a legal financial separation because there was a lot of financial stress and that was a significant trigger point for us. So it was important to have clarity around that. And the other one was around parenting, Jasmine, and we made an agreement. It wasn't a legal agreement, but one that um, I felt we would, Keep and we have, and that was that Jasmine would be with Sue I think it was uh on a fortnightly basis, nine days and then five with me. And that pattern has changed over the years, yeah. Not very often, but always with some discussion. We kept to our agreements around that. And very early on even though there was some pain and anger and all sorts of other feelings we also looked after Jasmine if the other person was going out if it worked for us so we we created a space where we'd help each other out and not add to each of our financial stress at the time and that i don't i think that worked from the word go even though there was it was a little bit clipped at times and sharp and whatever. We did do it.
0: When you mentioned that you sorted out your um, legal and financial affairs, I presume you had a lawyer for that part of it. We did. So, then in relation to the parenting, was a lawyer doing that or is that something that you and Sue were working out?
1: If I just go back to the financial to clarify that a little bit more, we, we both had a lawyer. Okay. Which I think was important because. I think I recognized, uh, anyway, I'll speak from my side. We were both in certain levels of emotion and we needed independent advice. And so, yeah, we, I, I certainly pushed that idea. Say, look, let's get independent advice. So we, whatever we end up doing doesn't create long-term resentments, if possible. Not that we agreed straight up. There was some argy-bargy in that. And then the other side, we didn't have a legal agreement regarding parenting and custody. We worked that out ourselves.
0: So you didn't go to counselling for that? That was just between the two of
1: you? My recollection, we didn't at all.
0: Okay. No. Okay.
1: We'd had enough counselling. <laughs> we didn't want any more. <laughs> yeah.
0: It sounds like for me, and this is you know what I have observed, that... Your transition around the co-parenting has gone pretty darn well.
1: Well, thanks for saying that. I it's it's good to have that acknowledgement. You don't always know when you're in the middle of things. Again, I'll speak from my side. I mean, I think look, we're talking about about a 5-year period and I think on about three occasions one of us came to the other and said and I think it was might have always been Sue coming to me and said I would like to change the arrangement. No, that's not right. I I think I said it once because the nine-day, five-day thing probably didn't work as well as we, we had a go with it. And then we decided to go, yeah, I think eight days, six days because it gave more of a sense of a week, even if it's a shorter week. It seemed to work better for everybody around weekends and that sort of thing. Actually, what we did, we went from nine to five. I think we went to seven, seven. Mm -hmm. And then Sue, Sue a little bit later, said, I want to spend more time with Jasmine. And so I suggested eight, six, and she agreed to that. I must say, at first, I was uncomfortable with moving from seven, seven, because I'd got used to it. And I also liked having Jasmine with me. But I didn't say that when the suggestion was made. When any new suggestion has been made to me, mostly I haven't responded straight away.
0: That's interesting. And,
1: and and firstly, and secondly, we have, I think, mostly done it in writing, like with an email or something like that. Yes. Early on, that might not have been the case, might have been verbal sometimes, but it's an interesting one because I was conscious of trying to be flexible, making it work, not being a doormat, <laughs> you know. I mean, you've got to balance those things in life, haven't you? With, with, uh, I think with close relationships with, with when you're doing stuff and you've got to be conscious of the other person wants and what you might want and need. That's what I try to do anyway. Yeah, I, I would think about that. And I remember going from, no, I want seven seven because I'm, I like that. I think it, I think it worked very well in terms of practicality every Monday. Good for Jasmine. She knows it's every Monday. But I realized Sue really wanted a bit more time. And I thought, well, she is the mother. Jazz is still pretty young. That's probably a greater need than this convenience factor of seven seven. And I think that's where I went. In within myself, it's probably a bit painful to give up that day at that time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because was still a bit emotionally at sea. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm really glad I did it that way.
0: I always recommend to people that they wait before responding, if a, if a yeah. day or do you think that plays into or helps your your um, decision making?
1: Definitely. I mean, Sue and I were together for I don't know, 14 years, something like that. I did realise that Well, there's this reactivity that happens in any relationship, certainly happened in ours, and taking space and being separated helped make those things functional and and take the time. Yeah.
0: Before we uh, started recording this podcast, we were chatting about something that both of us had observed in in separation, and and it's ironic and sadly ironic. I feel that post-separation, your communication can become if you're really focused on the children, can become so respectful. You know, like you talk about, you know, like just the the reference there, you know, when you're you're actually in your relationship, you're like, do that, do this right away, jump now, jump, you know, all that kind of, you know, or one can be on occasion. And um, when you're separated, I have to say it seems to be much more working through for the children in a positive way. It's like, are you available, please? Will this be convenient? Please, I mean, in this in this journey to be a good co-parent, it's maybe a little bit artificial in the beginning, but it is very respectful.
1: Mm, I think that's well said. Very well said. I I think, yeah, you, you, it might be a bit artificial at first, but use a bit more um, considerate language. I do think that helps, particularly if there is a desire to actually, despite the painful feelings, to make it work as you say, for the benefit of the children. I mean, there's all these people involved, but you can't look after everyone all the time so the children have got to come first as a primary guide, I would agree.
0: Something else I just wanted to refer back to is when I had an interview recently with Dr. Sean uh, Delaney, who's a psychologist who works with a lot of men going through separation. And he'd done a lot of research on this in his surveys that he sent out to men. There seemed to be, well, there was, there was a, a narrative that a lot of fathers did lean on their children emotionally at separation and I only just thought of that then when you said I didn't really want to move from seven days alternate you know alternate weeks to eight six did you did you find that leaning on Jasmine or you've got very good men friends so maybe that wasn't an issue for you. Like emotional nourishment, support. You know, when that, when that, when your partner leaves, and you, you know, there's a vacuum there. You know, as I said in Sean's PhD, there was a narrative, narrative of that from a lot of the men.
1: Well, do I lean on Jasmine Uh, at times? Yes. You know, it's not. You're not perfect in setting the boundaries between what's. um, I'm not perfect anyway in in working out working out what's a healthy emotional relationship between a parent, a father and a a daughter, and what's me uh, getting emotional needs that I'm not getting elsewhere. Uh, And I'm talking about in subtle ways. I'm certainly conscious of that. I think in the early days I was. Probably doing, yeah, sometimes getting my emotion, clinging a bit to jazz because I felt a loss. I don't think it was extreme at all, but I, I suppose there were elements of it. That's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, no, as I said, it's obviously totally normal and that's what's come out in his work, but I hadn't really thought about it because, you know, it's once again, it is stereotypes, but and just talking in generalities that, you know, men who don't have the support network, you know, at the end of separation, there's just a time. And for, I guess this is one really big thing related to adjustment of separation is that, um, and I'm not a psychologist, but just looking and thinking about is that, of course, there's going to be leaning on our children or there's going to be... Maybe more um we want to connect more with our children at this time, but healthy adjustment obviously means you get you move away from that as the weeks and months go by.
1: yeah, and I think it's different for different people, but um, look, I think the adjustment is natural. let's say that. So I'm very much about the philosophy of give yourself, give each other time. For changes to occur, just couldn't do that in the relationship because there was too much other things going on. But I try to bring that into all my relationship. I can think of a couple with male friends at the moment where I think they're going through pretty difficult times, and uh, some of their behaviours a bit of a pain to me. And I'm trying to take a long view; they're long term friends.
0: So I guess over the years, you've, you know, you've seen it from the other side. I'm not sure when you're talking to those friends now if it's in relation to relationships, but you've also been the friend on the other side helping someone going through.
1: Yes, I suppose I have. I've always, I suppose, you know, by nature say, well, let's cooperate if we can. I'll always push that line, but only to the level where I think my friend's able to hear it. And they may not be able to hear it at all. So maybe you just got to listen. Yeah, friend, I, don't, I haven't had a friend who's separated uh, in that way for a long time.
0: Hopefully, we're uh, getting better at it, so we don't better at our relationships, Grant. So there won't be any more. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I'm not sure about the dance of that. That's perhaps another whole uh, interview. But um,
0: yes, that's the that is another interview. That's about the grade divorce phenomenon. But we'll get you're not there yet. But we'll get back to that in a few years, and you can report back to me,
1: Grant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Speaking about. Future relationships. I'm also doing a separate episode about new partners and how they can um, interact with the existing yeah. co parenting relationship and the children. But I want to just touch upon one aspect of that topic right now and ask you how do you think um, new partners interact with co parenting arrangements?
1: Hmm. Look, I think there's a generalization, it's, it's a whole variety of ways. Our experience has been. Very good. Sue's had a partner who she's lived with for, I think, a couple of years now. That's, I feel, has always been mutually respectful. He brings another dimension to Jasmine's life. I think uh, it's very good and healthy for Jasmine the dimension he brings. Um, I think he's been very tolerant of the fact Sue and I have a pretty close friendship, and I try to be respectful of that. And, yeah, back off at times if I need to. So that's talking personally about it. I think So it can be very good, and I think it's, it's certainly positive in this context, but it's not without – I can certainly see feelings run around that you know, you've got to be aware of people's space.
0: You know what I hear underlining, you talking about your co-parenting relationship, that developing this effective co-parenting relationship with Sue has involved boundaries. And I guess when a new partner comes in, once again, it's about boundaries, what their boundaries are going to be, um, your new boundaries, when there's the three of you together. So I guess it's once again adjusting to that.
1: Yeah, indeed. So and I think communication is very important and you know, clarity and communication and uh, and a sense of pacing, you know, like we're all people. So we're all going to need different timings on, on things. I mentioned, I guess, pacing and rhythm a bit because I've had three years counselling training where that was the central idea okay. and that uh, resonated with, with me very well
0: and just speaking about you know sue having a new partner for a couple of years now that just visualizes in my head oh two houses one of the real frustration that comes up in so many separations and infuriates some parents is the different rules and different routines in the different houses. Do you and Sue share, I mean, no but it's no, no, house is going to be identical, but would you say you share the same vision or have there been a lot of things you two have um, had differences on and had to sort out?
1: Most of the vision, I suppose, is shared in terms of parenting Jasmine, but there are certainly differences. For example, Jasmine's room is neater at Sue's house And, you know, that gets raised and still gets raised. I think there's been some give on that in Sue's part over time, but probably some frustration as well. I certainly, uh, you know, I push it to a degree as well, but just not as much. And I guess I prioritise other things with Jasmine, certainly doing chores. Um, But there's a difference in what chores get done at each house. Yeah, there are some differences and I think we both allow those differences. I suspect it's – look, I don't know. You'd have to talk to Sue. It's probably easier for me than it is for Sue, that one, Uh, you know, because the the neatness and whatever, you know, is – so it's a bit different and there's probably other things that fit into that.
0: That sounds Pretty minor compared to some of the diabolical <laughs> stories I've heard. So, <laughs> and,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, look, it is largely. Can I just say this? It is largely very cooperative. I mean, Sue and I go along to the, the school once every six months, has meetings with the, the parents. And they call the parents in and to talk about the child. Well, we book that in together, we go along together. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a real. Uh, there's a fair bit of discussion about what would be good for Jasmine and certain things. And there are times when it's different. Yeah. But they're relatively minor. I think that's true.
0: You know, once again, when I hear what a healthy co-parenting relationship um, I just want to go back a few questions ago, tease out one of your answers. You were talking about your legal and financial separation and you said, oh, parenting around then got a bit clipped. I think you used the word, you know, there was a bit of clipped, conversation. Was that really, so it didn't have too much of an effect on your co-parenting alliance?
1: Well, it was a bit clipped in the first six to 18 months. So I think we just went about doing what needed to be done. Uh, I didn't have any doubt that Jasmine would be pretty well looked after at either house. Quiet. We're just in the tunnel and went with it,
0: <laughs> okay. yeah, because sometimes unfortunately, you know, and like we're all we're all human, obviously, and we're not perfect, but sometimes you know when things aren't going the way you want or you feel someone is being totally unreasonable in the property settlement or arguments about child support, the parenting can really fall apart, you know the texting can get quite crazy and People can, you know, become unreliable about the parenting relationships, so that's. I was just sort of trying to draw that out a bit with you.
1: It never got uh, extreme like that. We're both very verbal people. I think the most extreme was in front of each other, from my recollection. We didn't tend to write at all later. But after we separated, there wasn't much. There were certainly a couple of explosions, but and pretty intense. Very short lived, though. Yeah,
0: yeah. You and Sue so, talk it out. I've noticed you too. You, you you talk it out.
1: Yeah, I mean that was you know one of the strengths of, and still is one of the strengths of our relating. Yeah.
0: So Grant, would you um would you share anything else that you and Sue have done that has been particularly effective improving your co parenting? I mean, obviously your communication, um, talking things through, or alternatively. Doing the changing in relationships and writing and waiting until you respond; those are three really great guidelines for you know for parents. Is there anything else that you can think of? Well,
1: well I think well, I'd say largely we were not blocking or destructive of each other's relationship with mutual friends or each other's families. Okay. We both had strong connections to each other's families that had built up and again, you know, there's a transition and there's how do you work that out? But that happened and that was a bit clunky at times. Uh, you know, I felt very, I still feel very close to Sue's family. I, I always was close to them. So I had to go through that and realising my new role as not no longer Sue's partner, she's got a new partner. You know, they, they were... There were some uncomfortable times of letting go for me. So I think I was a bit slow to let go at times.
0: Well, attachment, I mean, attachment does make separation. It makes it difficult, this attachment to that yeah. that person. Do you, think, yep. um, do you think the family, keeping this connection with both of your, your families, do you think that was particularly important because Jasmine's an only child or that's just something that's in families important?
1: I suppose I was a bit selfish about that one. I, um, I really felt, look, I, I felt strong connection. I mean, Sue's father died within two years of our separating and I spoke at his funeral. I'll give you an idea of yeah. uh, the feelings all around. So I wasn't going to give that up easily. Yeah. That's how I felt, definitely. Even on my side, Sue's, I've got three brothers and their families. None of them live locally. So for both sides of the family, we're both conscious of, and Jazz is an only child, so we're both conscious of uh, making that effort uh, when there are family events and allowing that space. And I have to say, yeah, I think Sue's been really good in that regard when those events have come up. I had the opportunity to take Jasmine overseas it was four weeks about two years ago my brother uh, said come over to america and he paid for some of that for both of us and it was a real opportunity for jazz to connect with family on my side and also to have an experience that she wasn't otherwise going to have and uh, sue acknowledged that in what she said to me about because i know she didn't want to let jazzy go for four weeks but she did say it was a a great opportunity for her. And um,
0: I guess that's interesting, you know, because, you know, there was a time then you referred to when Sue wanted to change the parenting arrangement and get an extra night. On that time, you made a compromise that you weren't comfortable with emotionally.
1: Quite right. Quite right. I I think, um, yeah, I guess that's definitely gone both ways and does go both ways. And, yeah.
0: I mean, it's you know, it's so, not tit for it's not tit for tat, but there's no doubt that you know, it's like any behavior. If you start behaving a certain way, I think there's a lot of mirroring, mirroring, and you know, you get rewar- uh, you know, you get rewarded for it. In the beginning, the co-parenting might be a bit um, like we talked about before, artificial, but then that mirroring and the, um, yeah, I think it can come back to really benefit each other and and the and the child.
1: Uh, I think that's really well said, Liz. Uh, yeah exactly right to me, it might take a while for that mm-hmm. mirroring to happen. Mm. And and maybe it's best if you're not doing that, expecting and wanting the mirroring. You're doing it because you think it's the right thing to do. But then there's this reward that happens maybe straight away or maybe I've noticed in parenting it can – Take eighteen when do, months, two when years.
0: Do, when do these rewards start happening back for us? <laughs> in I, oh <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, wait, as
1: all parents would know, they some of them take forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I did. I did get a cuddle last night, and I was like, "Okay, get my diary out there. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> oh, what, what's the date? <laughs> well, when you get yes. a cuddle from, When do you get a cuddle from a teenage boy? It's very nice, very special day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i i understand
0: oh now um boy okay now this people are just not going to believe how you know how good you and sue have it so well let, let's just talk has there anything gotten in the way, or, or really, has there been much that got in the way of your good parenting, or, or not? You don't have to make something up. I'm just, just anything that's gotten in the way that you could refer to how you got over it and how that could help someone else. I mean, you've covered a lot already, but just in case there was something mm. you thought about that had gotten in the way, it sounds like you've got uh, your reactivity under control. That's often, I mean, that's the biggest trouble uh, with the co-parenting is just reacting so hard, oh, not to sometimes.
1: I think I've, uh, I've got my activity much more under control in my life generally, but it's also because I, sh- I create my life in a way where I've got more time. Uh-huh. I don't like being rushed around and I will choose to pace it more slowly rather than try and fit too much in. Yeah. And I think that helps, helps a lot. Oh, you know, I sometimes say to myself, well, you don't know the answer. So, okay, this this situation's unknown. Okay, I'm in the unknown. <laughs> and sometimes it's really helpful to acknowledge that and go, well, I haven't got a clue. I'll just I'll just hit the ball back and see what happens.
0: But you'll wait. But you'll <laughs> you know, wait a day first, won't you, Grant? you wait a day.
1: Well, I'll wait a day first <laughs> or sometimes I'll follow an impulse in a conversation. I don't want to be too controlled about it all. But certainly... Largely, I, I, I take more time. and uh, But, I look, I still go through angst, feelings of, oh, what's really going on? What was meant by that? I mean, I had it this week with a situation because I'm going away for four weeks ah.
0: and
1: Sue is going away. Also, she's got to run something overseas and I'll be overseas. So she's got to run a retreat in Bali. And so suddenly, her partner is left looking after Jasmine for a week, and I thought that was already handled and maybe and you know, it it's it's been a bit clunky getting it, and hey, does everyone feel okay with this, and how's it really going to work and yeah, so a bit of negotiation and perhaps things not done perfectly in in setting it up and so there's always something to do well, and there's um, always there's always a bump. There's going to be bumps in the road. I think that's the other thing I've realised. You know, whether you're separated or whether you're not, in all relationships there's going to be bumps and I've probably had a tendency not sometimes to want to deal with those bumps straight away and sometimes that can serve me but sometimes you just got to deal with the bump. Take what comes.
0: I think that yeah, I think that's a good good tip. But also, I just have to say about your holiday. I know that fifteen-year-old. I think she's got two little jobs at the moment after school. I'm sure she's got a little whiteboard out, Grant, managing the entire week where you're both away.
1: <laughs> Look, uh, that's a uh, sporadic. Uh, activity of Jasmine. She, she doesn't have the after school jobs at the moment and okay I'd say it won't be a wipe, but it'll be more pulling out a phone and you know texting a friend about you know what are you doing and what did you think of that boy and you know it's more likely to be going on
0: anyway. oh yeah so great um is there Something you want to add about co-parenting, I'm, I think that great advice that, you know, they're going to be bumps and just acknowledge they're coming and sometimes you'll be flying by the seat of the pants and other times you can wait a while to re-
1: to respond.
0: But was there something else you wanted to add about co-parents that we haven't touched
1: on? I think it goes for the rest of life. You know, sometimes there's a point where you might be a bit fearful about broaching something or going down a track and sometimes you just got to do it. And take the risk and and see what happens. I think a bit of that's happened in a range of areas. And there's one at the moment in looking at Jazz's finances. Sue and I are looking after a bank account each for her, and we're going to transition to her handing her own money. She kind of does anyway, but it needs to be more proactive practically hers.
0: So you and Sue want to work together on how Jasmine's going to manage her own money.
1: Well, that's my vision. (laughs) (laughs) I I think Sue's got that vision. I'm not really sure we had a conversation about it and I'm going, oh, well, I'm not really sure how that's going to look. So it's one of those. And I actually, we did talk about it yesterday and I did say to her, look, I think this is, to me, this is not just a simple thing of saying, well, there's your own bank account, manage your own money now, I think it's a little bit like electronics. When you give a child a phone, you're pretty hard to take it back.
0: I know. I I wish I (laughs)
1: had. Yeah, and we all wish we'd, you know, maybe done that. Who did that perfectly? Put your hand up, you know. (laughs) There's no hands up, okay. (laughs) But, I mean, with managing your own money, you know, I I have recognised I've got some fears and concerns about that. And I'm going to have to move past that. And there's a point of you've got to let them go and do their own thing. And I said to Sue, well, let's let's do this transition. We both have agreed, yes, we need to do it. And I said, can we take a little time? We've now acknowledged we're going to do it. Let's look at it a bit more and suggest a couple of things and get really clear on, I find this sometimes helps, frankly, working with Sue on some areas where we bounce it back and forward so that I get clear and she gets clear and then and then we we also need to do that with Jasmine so she has a say but sometimes it's still between Sue and I first before we go to Jasmine and we take our time with that and being separated actually makes it easier to do that I find without a doubt in in our relationship anyway
0: so it's not positional bargaining then it's you know you're not no. bargaining for you're, you're, you're interest-based I mean for a moment I'm just thinking in mediator mode so you're just interest-based um negotiations rather than your positions
1: really oh, probably a bit of both actually okay I, I've got a position on that one that's about how do you learn saving and budgeting for the future so you've got a habit of saving for things and budgeting for things but how do you help a child do that without being a helicopter parent and standing over and and I've at this point in time, I've got the view that you make a transitional process. You don't just go, here's your bank account, and here's your debit card, and here's a few rules. I think it needs to be a bit more transitional over time and then let it go and she's floating on the boat because I think uh it's in a very important area and I think it's another one that's pretty tricky for kids going into teenagehood. I remember,
0: adulthood. I remember many, many moons ago when the dinosaurs were living with me and um, my parents gave me $110 a month. And so oh. it was a monthly payment. Yeah. So I had to do everything from that. That's how long ago it was because what child would manage, because I even had to pay for my public transport in the big city. Um, but anyway, that, that was just my experience of monthly. I couldn't Of coped yearly and interesting enough a bit of a digression I've got some of my little Canadian nieces staying with me at the moment and they were saying the way the university grants in Canada work is um if you're eligible is you get the lump sum at the beginning of the year Mm, mm. so they get like really a lot of money it's a you know it's like getting your um yeah, you get the entire money at the beginning of the year. And wow. so a, a, lot a lot of kids, a lot of kids literally have no money by a couple of months into it. And these are and these are, you know, these are nineteen year old girls or or boys or eighteen year old. They leave home, they get the lump sum from the year, and they're basically starving by a couple of months into it. So mm.
1: I think that's really interesting. And the advice I've been doing a little bit of research on it and the advice I've seen is to transition kids from pocket money to from weekly to, to perhaps fortnightly or monthly, just as happened for you, and uh, and also there's a transition from pocket money may continue after they earn their own money. Uh, there's a, I saw some advice saying that's a good idea because then there's a bit more reward for earning their own money, which teaches them good attitudes to work. But I think that. The, the transitional idea from weekly to monthly so that then it might go to three monthly and then by the time they get to the circumstance you just described, yearly is not such a shock uh, in managing. But that's a, yeah.
0: Sounds like you've done your own research but I think, that, you know, I love that ABC um, and I think that on that um, show, the Pineapple Project, I think they had an episode about um, pocket money. I think it was on that on that program. You might want to check it out.
1: Oh, right. Have
0: a look. Cool. Anyway, it sounds like you're on top of it. You and Sue will have done all your research. So, Grant, uh, just before we end, I want to ask, what do you think um, about a music recommendation? I, I, I've spoken to you about this. I just think music adds so much to life, especially uh, during the rough times, you know, shake up the cobwebs inspire, change your mood, would you have right. recommendations?
1: Uh, I, I, I noticed that question and um, I, I didn't have a musical suggestion but it brought up another suggestion for me. Great. Which which seemed to uh, connect with that and that's create a space to go for what you need. So people who separate, I, I would say it's important that it's not just about the children and, um, you know, there's got to be... You've got to go for some things about what you need. Give yourself time. Give yourself time. So for me, my music is things like I watch footy with my friends quite a bit. I love it. I just love getting together. I love the ritual. I'm doing it tonight. I love the ritual of having a couple of beers, seeing my mates, watching a game of footy. We might have a bite to eat. Talk, you know, some more. It's very. It fills my cup. It sounds fun. Other people. It might be other things. But also I do I walk along the beach by myself about four days a week. I jump in the ocean. I make health a priority. So these are the things that are the songs mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. And and I do my best to look forward, not back. You know oh, grant. I mean,
0: that's it. That's it <laughs> that is a pearl really that's that's golden because um that is how you move on for all these massive separation of moment emotions to great co-parenting Grant, I've just got to thank you so much for your time today. I have really enjoyed talking about these things. And I know that the listener will have um, learned a lot. And look, you, you set a very high bar and you acknowledge that, you know, we're not perfect. We do our best, but um, you've definitely given us some things to think about.
1: Great. Thanks, Liz. It's been a pleasure.
0: I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if something in the episode has motivated you, I recommend that before you take any action, you get professional advice because the conversations are general in nature and not based on your particular situation. Please reach out to me if you have any questions or if there's another topic you'd like explored. And if you know someone who might benefit from the show, remember to tell them about it or suggest my Instagram or website, www.theseparationfix.com. Good luck being your best self today. Just know I'm out there too, trying as well.